0: SNAP Production. I'm here. We will not
1: lay down the weapons. We will defend our state because our weapon is our truth. And the truth
2: is that this is our land and we will defend all of that. Those are the words of the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, spoken as Russia invaded Ukraine in February. Now, in the weeks since, Zelensky has become a global resistance hero praise for galvanizing the people of Ukraine and the rest of the world, particularly Europe, to push back against Russia. And last week he addressed our parliament by video link in his trademark khaki t-shirt. Whatever is happening in our region because of the Russian aggression what is destroying the lives of people has become a real threat to your country and to your people as well because this is the nature of the evil. It can instantly cross any distance. So in response to that speech, our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, called him a lion of democracy, called Putin a war criminal and then pledged $25 million of more support. So that's the kind of reaction he gets. Whenever he speaks In this episode, we're going to go into his backstory Because his rise to global wartime leader Has been very unconventional to say the least Before getting into politics He was a comedian and an actor Even played the Ukrainian president in a fictional TV show Before going on to be elected as the actual president in 2019
3: So how did this happen? I think it's an incredibly impressive performance that he has made during this wartime period that has shown that he is an incredibly effective wartime leader.
2: That is our briefing today. First, here are the headlines. Katrina Blowers joins me. It is Monday the 4th of April.
0: Accusations of racism against the Prime Minister. Nine newspapers and the Saturday paper reported at the weekend that in 2007, Scott Morrison told the party they shouldn't pre select Michael Toke in the Sydney seat of Cook because he was Lebanese and rumoured to be a Muslim, which he's actually not, by the way. He's a Lebanese Christian.
2: Yeah, so the seat of Cook tanks in Cronulla, where the riots happened two years earlier. Now Scott Morrison has come out and refuted these claims. It's very rare that I will even countenance a response to these things. But on this particular occasion, as others have continued to wish to report it, I could not reject this more fundamentally more soundly.
0: Morrison has even offered to sign a statutory declaration to add weight to his denial. All this comes just days after Senator Conchetta Fieravanti-Wells described Morrison as ruthless and a bully.
2: Yeah, and she referenced the pre-selection battles. Now, Michael Toke actually worked for her around the time of this pre-selection battle in 2007. Now, here's what Labor are saying. This is Jim Chalmers.
1: I don't think anybody believes the Prime Minister, frankly.
2: Yeah, interesting this one, Katrina, whether it's just a controversy that lasts a few days or whether it Mm. runs deeper, given what some of Scott Morrison's own colleagues have said about him.
0: Yeah, but as they say, if you sling a heck of a lot of mud, some of it does stick.
2: Yeah, but I also think that in an election campaign, which we could be about to be in, um, things move very quickly. Um, We'll discuss this in a sec. But if he calls an election, that will start to dominate headlines and some of this stuff might fall away.
0: Yeah, so as we just mentioned, we are counting down till an election is called. The Coalition's polling has improved.
2: Yeah, the latest news poll conducted for the Australian newspaper shows Labor's primary vote falling three points to 38%, while the Coalition has improved one point to 36%. So that's narrowed from a six-point margin three weeks ago to a two-point difference.
0: Once those preferences are allocated, the two-party preferred gap remains strongly in Labor's favour, though, 54 to 46%, the gap tightening a point towards the coalition.
2: Yeah, so a lot of the insiders from Canberra are saying the election will probably be called this week. They're saying Thursday, which means it will be a May 14 election. But of course, this is all up to the Prime Minister, so those pundits can say whatever they want. It'll be his decision. The interesting thing out of those polling figures of Labor losing three points is that that happened during budget week, which is not a good sign for Labor because Mm. the economy is always the number one electoral issue. And if the coalition have taken points from them, some of those points have gone to the other parties as well. But if Labor have done badly on that, then that's a key area that they need to do well on.
0: Well, and Anthony Albanese and Jim Chalmers were in my neck of the woods in Brisbane yesterday, launching the uh, ALP campaign. And they said that Queensland is going to really decide this election. So they'll be spending a lot more time up in the Sunshine State.
2: And Ukraine say they've regained control of the Kiev region with Russian troops retreating from around the capital. But as they surveyed the devastation, they say they're finding shocking evidence of war crimes.
1: Without an exaggeration
2: by what we've seen in Bucha and vicinity, uh, we can conclude that Russia is uh, worse than ISIS. It's in the scale and the ruthlessness
0: of the crimes committed. That's Ukraine Foreign Minister Dimtro Kuleba. So Ukrainian troops have found hundreds of bodies of civilians in a grave as they retook Bucha, which is on the outskirts of Kiev. Some had their hands tied behind their backs and they'd been shot at close range. There are also reports Russian troops are booby-trapping civilian bodies.
2: The International Criminal Court is now considering prosecuting Russian officials for war crimes and Germany's calling for more EU sanctions on Russia.
0: Six people have been killed in a mass shooting in the US city of Sacramento. Local police say they're searching for at least one suspect after a total of 16 people were shot in the city's nightclub district as bars and clubs were closing early on Sunday morning.
2: Ten people have been treated for injuries on top of the six deaths we mentioned and local police have tweeted investigators were aware of a social media video that showed an altercation taking place just prior to the shooting.
0: Australia has won the Women's Cricket World Cup, so the Aussies had won just about everything, but not the 50-over World Cup.
2: Yeah, then cut to New Zealand yesterday in Christchurch and Alyssa Healy scored 170 off her own bat to lead Australia to a massive total of 356 and England could only get to 285.
3: I think everyone's just worked really, really hard for this. It's been a a long five-year wait to come here and... And try and win a uh, a title that people kept saying that we should have had. Um, So full credit to the girls.
0: Yeah, go the girls. So Mm. good. And all these little girls and boys from you know Australia and and around the world now. Saying names like Alyssa Healy is becoming a household name. Yeah.
2: And in case that name does sound a little familiar. Yes, she is related to the famous wicketkeeper batsman Ian Healy. She is his niece. She's also (laughs) married to Mitchell Stark. So does that make her cricket royalty? Well, I'd say. The 170 that she hit yesterday makes her cricket royalty without those relationships, but they probably help. All right, Katrina, we'll catch you tomorrow. Jan Fran's about to join me as we take a deeper look at Vladimir Zelensky. So, Jan Fran, Vladimir Zelensky is not the first celebrity to end up running a country, is he?
1: not. Actually, there's another celebrity currently running Pakistan, Imran Khan. He's a very famous former cricketer. He is currently Pakistan's prime minister. And, uh, of course, we all know Donald Trump, who was a reality TV star, famous for decades before he went on to become the US president. So, no, Zelensky, Mm. not the first celeb.
2: Yeah, well, thankfully, Donald Trump never became a wartime leader (laughs) quite the way Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has. It's been an unbelievable journey from being a comedian and actor to being a wartime president who's galvanised so much support around the world. So how did he get to be one of the most important leaders in the world right now? And is he really cut out for this moment?
1: Yep, that's the question that we are asking. And to help us answer, we've got Zoya Sheftalovic. She's a contributing editor for Politico. She's actually based in Australia with a Ukrainian background.
2: Zoya, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. So, Vladimir Zelensky, the actor, how famous was he?
3: He was super, super famous. He was all over Ukrainian and Russian TV. He was a sketch comic. He appeared in these sort of variety concerts that Russians and Ukrainians really love. And the most recent thing he's known for, the last thing that he did, was this show called Servant of the People, which really parried him into a political career and really foretold the future in some ways. And that show was a dramatic kind of comedic role where he played a school teacher who is caught on camera in an anti-corruption rant while thinking he wasn't being filmed. Um, That's then uploaded by one of his students to YouTube. It goes viral and he becomes the Ukrainian president and he runs on this anti-corruption platform. and, And the show was all about basically how this outside enters politics and tries to clean it up and how the system changes him but also how he changes the system and of course that has just become real life in many ways. It's a real
1: case of life imitating art in some way here but Zelensky was so much more than an actor. I mean he did study law so he had sort of training and knowledge and a little bit of intellectual firepower that went beyond acting, didn't he?
3: He did. And the sketch comedies that he was on were really very, very clever. They require quick thinking. He's sort of like one of the SNL comedians, you would say, or even more than that, maybe someone like a Jon Stewart character, because he was always satirising people in power, satirising the political situation. And He was a really, and is remaining, I mean, you can see now how smart and sharp he is and how good an orator he is, how powerful he is at communicating. That's something that is very clear. His intelligence is very clear.
2: I remember when he was elected, it was, you know, from all the way over here in Australia, it was kind of a funny headline. He was compared to Trump, who came to the presidency after being a reality TV star. But there was a serious note at any conversation about him given there'd been a war in the country just five years earlier, the MH17 had been shot down, taking down a bunch of Australians. That was really close to home here. So was there serious concern at the time that the joke wasn't that funny?
3: There was some serious concern that he was inexperienced and he was doing a job that required a significant degree of skill and political expertise. But at the same time, in some of the parallels with Trump, I think what Zelensky represented was a repudiation of the status quo by Ukrainians. He was running on this platform of anti-corruption and more West-focused politics. And that was something that really resonated with Ukrainians. After the Maidan revolution, which was the revolution in 2014, which saw a Kremlin stooge in the Kiev government replaced by Petra Poroshenko, who was, uh, well, he was a chocolate billionaire and an oligarch, but nonetheless was running on a more kind of Ukraine westward independent view uh, versus the Kremlin-focused view of previous presidents. That didn't quite land in the way that people thought it would. They saw in Zelensky, through his TV show largely, but he created a party called Servant of the People, the same as the name of his TV show. I think what he was seeing signaling to people was this desire for change. And I think people had all of this promise and all of this hope from Maidan. They paid for it in their blood because that was directly leading to the fact that Russia invaded. And then that didn't lead to the sorts of rewards that Ukrainians had hoped for. So I think Zelensky was this quite desperate cry of Ukrainian people wanting what they were promised during the Maidan revolution. So he was an outsider, but he was smart.
2: So clearly he's a genius-level communicator, both in his acting career but now as a world leader. But I do wonder in the West whether we get overly sentimental, kind of emotional. We see this textbook kind of hero standing up to a bigger aggressor. But I think you have to acknowledge that the previous leaders had been able to prevent this kind of invasion that's happening now for many complex reasons, whereas Zelensky hasn't. So while we're clicking likes on all his rousing videos. Are there Ukrainians who think he's actually failed this tricky geopolitical chess game and he's partly responsible for what's happening?
3: No, I think that's not the general prevailing belief. And I don't think it's actually correct to say that previous leaders were able to avoid an invasion. I think actually what happened was that Putin was regrouping. He invaded in 2014 under Poroshenko, so he didn't prevent an invasion. That's the only previous leader that came before Zelensky who had an invasion under him. So I think that Ukrainians are pretty used to that Russian threat. And I think the thing that Putin was waiting for was the moment and I think Putin read the room he saw that gas prices and oil prices were super high, he saw that there was all of this pandemic related economic instability and super high inflation and he thought well I'll pop in I'll grab an extra chunk of Ukrainian territory, I'll create a corridor between Donbass and Crimea and he thought it would be relatively bloodless and would the West would balk at sanctions at a time when the West was already hurting but Zelensky in fact what he has done is significant. More impressive than what happened when Putin invaded in 2014. And that has, in fact, led to a huge amount of bloodshed because Putin expected to waltz in, take territory, and waltz back out, remove Zelensky, replace him with someone friendly to the Kremlin, have someone who was going to be willing to do whatever the Kremlin wanted instead of Zelensky. When Zelensky stayed in Kiev and decided that he would be fighting and sent that message to the people and to his armed forces that they were not going to be giving in, that That was a hugely important moment for Ukraine because that was Ukrainians going, you know what? we're going to stand up for ourselves and we're going to remain an independent country that has a different future under Zelensky than it did under previous regimes. So I think what Zelensky did that was different to Poroshenko is that he insisted on fighting. And that has to an extent meant that this war has been significantly more um, horrific for the Ukrainian side. But it also has completely unmasked the reality of what the situation on the ground is for Putin. He has very little control of his armed forces. His armed forces are underperforming significantly when you consider the alleged amount of money that goes into Russia's defence budget, when you consider the number of people Russia has in its armed forces versus Ukraine. I think Zelensky has shown that Putin is an emperor with no clothes. It's not that Zelensky being weak caused Putin to invade. It's Mm -hmm. that Putin took an opportunity that he was waiting for anyway that was a more geopolitical opportunity rather than a Ukrainian one.
1: One of the things that Zelensky has been able to do that you just touched on as well, Zoya, is to galvanise the people of Ukraine. It reminds people sometimes of, you know, Winston Churchill sort of galvanising the British to fight against the Nazis in World War II. He has a particular oration style where he can speak to people. Where do you think that comes from? Why is he so particularly effective at galvanising not just
3: Ukrainians but the world in support of him? He spent his entire life preparing for this moment. He's been making speeches on TV. He's been doing a TV show in which he was doing just this. But I think actually a really key element is that what everyone is saying from within Kiev is that Zelensky lets his government and his cabinet ministers and his aides and his advisors do what they need to do. And he focuses, I mean, what he's doing now is focusing on crafting these speeches. He's essentially spending a lot of his time and a lot of his energy on comms at the moment, on communicating with his own people and communicating with world leaders, speaking directly to various parliaments. That's what he's concentrating his efforts on. I think he's a really smart guy and he knows what he's good at and he knows what other people are good at and what their expertise is. He's had loads of practice. He's trialled all sorts of things on TV. He knows what plays well. He knows Ukrainian people. He knows what's popular. He's a really, really smart guy with loads of languages under his belt. So he's always got a theme, he's always got a message. He's not afraid to take countries on if he doesn't think they're doing enough. He was um, really hard when it came to Germany's position, which has really pushed Olaf Scholz, the chancellor, to shift that position. So he's really, this is what he's good at. He knows this is what he's good at and that's what he's focusing on. That's what he's spending his time on.
2: So Zoya, just to sum it all up, it does sound like you're quite impressed by Zelensky. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I am. I think he's doing a, an incredible job right now. Look, during his time over the past couple of years since he was elected in 2019, there have been some disappointments. I think he's run up against the reality of governing. I think what he has displayed during this war is a strength of character and a courage that is unquestionable. The fact that he stayed in Kiev when it looked like it was going to fall uh, and he filmed his videos on the streets outside of the presidential palace, essentially inviting Russian forces to bomb him. I think that is incredible. I think the way that he has essentially unendingly, unceasingly unsleepingly worked to marshal support for Ukraine has been incredible. And I think the contrast with 2014 is unbelievable. So to me, I think it's an incredibly impressive performance that he has made during this wartime period that has shown that he is an incredibly effective wartime leader. So yeah, I am very, very impressed by him at the moment. That was Zoya
1: Shefterlovich. She's a contributing editor for Politico.
2: Yeah, clearly liking um, Zelensky's progress so far. Interesting, she said that a lot of his work is on the communications crafting his message. And it is hard for us to observe what's going on there and know exactly what's happening. And the cynical person might think, well, you know, he's crafting his message, focusing on what he wants us to think about what else is actually happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, hearing Zoe talk about him in that interview, he's obviously someone that knows how to talk the talk, and maybe that's come because of his history as a comedian and performer and presenter. I guess the question is, does he walk the walk? And seemingly he does, just because we know that Russian troops are sort of retreating in some areas, Russia is rethinking its strategy, Um, he's managed to hold out within Kiev for a while, but we don't really know too much about the Ukrainian military offensive and the ins and outs of it. And I guess that does go to your question of, okay, there's some things that you're telling us. What do we not know? Mm. I would always just be aware, be wary rather, of anyone in power that speaks really well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's a great salesman. I know that sounds
1: like a little bit of a weird thing to say, Yeah, but but in the same way that you can galvanize people, you can also divide
2: them. Yeah, you've got to ask those questions because his sales ability also combined with our inherent bias to see Russia as the villain. And so that could potentially lead us to not scrutinise what Zelensky's saying hard enough. So yeah, you've got to keep asking questions even when someone just seems absolutely (laughs) incredible. Tomorrow on The Briefing, the world of high rollers in our casinos and why the head of Star Entertainment had to resign last week. Listener.